So who wants to be number 12? Who's going to be the next to commit to USC's 2024 recruiting class? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. I really do appreciate your support. And if you want to show your appreciation and you're watching on YouTube, it means a whole heck of a lot to the show. Become a subscriber. It's easy. Hit that red subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up. And because Locked on USC comes at you five times a week, Monday through Friday, full-length episode, Hit that bell notification button and you won't miss an episode. Now, before you submit your well-researched opinion on who will be USC's next commitment, uh, joining the ninth rated class nationally, according to On3, consider this. Ty Anthony Smith, linebacker from Texas. When he got back from his taking his official visit to USC this past weekend, he canceled his official visit to Oklahoma that was scheduled for this upcoming weekend. And if you watched US, uh, yesterday's episode of Locked on USC, and if you didn't, you should, and you still can. It's there. Go check it out. But all of you everydayers uh, will remember me saying that wide receiver Draylon Miller, also from the state of Texas, said that the two of them, uh, he and his good buddy Ty Anthony Smith, will 100% be playing together in college. So, I don't know. Do you need help connecting the dots? Uh, do you want more clues? Okay. Head on over to social media, Twitter. Check out their social, uh, check out their uh, photo shoot. A lot of good stuff there. Darwin Barlow. Also, uh, he's from East Texas. He was their host. This is what uh, Ty Anthony Smith said, a couple of quotes, what's making, uh, what's making him feel really good about USC. Their academic program is off the charts. There's really cool people, and there's also a beach. <laughs> and he gave an LOL chuckle. Uh, I didn't know USC was a private school. They told me there's only 20 to 30 people in a classroom, and that was a really big deal, end quote. Something else you might want to take into consideration here. Uh, with Ty Anthony Smith. He lives with his grandmother. And I, I really don't care what part of the country where you're from, whether it's the West Coast, East Texas, East Coast, Southeast, Midwest. Uh, you live with grandma, you're usually well-grounded. And you know right from wrong. Because grandma knows right from wrong. <laughs> they will. Grandmas are what every mom strives to be. I would imagine. So she gave her grandson uh, the smile of approval. And when you, when you see grandma smile, you know what I'm talking about. Quote, one of the biggest highlights was really just getting to see California again. And this time with my grandmother. She had a smile on her face, a big smile, and she kind of loved it. She loved the feeling. So when a parent loves a school that you're interested in, then you know that means something. You know you're not making a mistake, a bad mistake. You're not making a mistake at all, end quote. That, that, those are some of the thoughts from Ty Anthony Smith. 
So he's definitely one candidate <laughs> who could be next to uh, get on his knee and, and pledge his allegiance, so to speak, to USC. I'll just give one of those. I was at. For those of you who aren't watching on YouTube and who are listening on your favorite podcast, I just threw up the, uh, the bat signal, the victory salute. Now, it could also possibly be an offensive line guy. It will not be Justin Taunu. Um, while I was publishing Monday's Locked on USC episode, the interior offensive lineman from Huntington Beach picked Stanford. Now, we're going to need to start keeping an eye on Stanford's recruiting. Um, one, specifically because Vianney Talamayavo is on their staff. He's worked his way up the coaching tree ladder really quickly since he left USC. Um, he's, he's the full-time, the head offensive line coach for Stanford. That, that's a big resume check mark for a young man who's coming up in the coaching ranks. And... As I just pointed out, he just won a head-to-head coach, uh, recruiting battle against USC's offensive line coach, Josh Henson. It's not the first time Vianney has uh, kind of nipped USC in the heels uh, with an offensive line recruit. He did it up at Oregon, too. He's starting to get a little bit too comfortable doing that, so we're going to have to keep an eye on this. I still love Vianney and big fan favorite of his. <clears throat> um I don't think it's going to be offensive lineman Isaac Garcia from Utah. I don't think, I just don't think the whole thing clicked on his visit. Uh, but it could be Makai Saina from Texas. It could be Jason Zandamella from Florida. We'll find out soon enough. Again, these are just candidates of, of who I think could possibly be the next to make a public commitment. How about the uh, the speedy wide receiver from Milliken in Long Beach? My alma mater, my old stomping grands. Uh, on Monday, he uh, this, he narrowed his choices down to USC and Oregon. As it, I think everybody anticipated that. Uh, again, Ryan just finished his official visit to USC over this past weekend, the June Bash. So he was on the yacht cruise. He was up at Lincoln's Lair, uh, having a luau. He was hanging out at Crypto having breakfast. Um, but again, he's heading up to Eugene this coming weekend for his official visit. So this is going to be interesting. There's there's a lot of smoke starting to build around the, uh, the whole Mike Matthews, the wide receiver from Georgia, as well as, you know, I mentioned Draylon Miller, the wide receiver out of Texas. I'm not sure USC can pull all three wide receivers in this class. If they do, wow. Hat tip to Lincoln Riley because that's a haul. And USC's wide receiver room is young, and it's it's not like it's lacking for talent either. So it'll be interesting. That's going to be a, a battle to watch. So if you're USC, what you know what should you do? You know, do you take the local prospect Ryan Pelham, who has Oregon bloodlines, or do you chase that? You know, do you chase Matthews from Georgia? You know, right now, I, I mentioned it on yesterday's episode. It's It seems like it's a battle between USC Clemson. Others feel it's USC Tennessee. What we know is Georgia doesn't seem to be in the picture. It, well, if you want to get a little bit of insight into why that might be the case, 
When you're done watching this episode of Locked on USC, head on over to wersc.com. A lot of good intel over there. I can't bring it all over here. Sorry. Uh, but you can take advantage of the $1 for three months VIP subscription or $49.99 for an entire year. Yeah, I would do that. Back to Locked on USC, though. The transfer portal is always uh, in everyone's back pocket. So if they feel like they need to make a change after they've made a decision, um, that's something that, you know, a, a Ryan Pelham or a Mike Matthews or any player who commits, uh, they out, <coughs> they can always, I guess, reconsider. And let's be honest, wide receiver is not going to be an issue for USC. Never has been, never will be. And as I said, there's a lot more over on WRSC. You can check it out. Um, Scott Schrader, Marshall Levinson, they've got it on lockdown over there. Uh, following this official visit weekend, I got info for you. But again, I got limited time here. I can't give you everything. I can spread it out, but there's some good stuff over there you should check out as well. You know what else I need you to do? I need you to check out FanDuel. That's because the baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, if you're a new customer, check this out. You're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And if you're a Dodger fan like me and you bet on them, you're probably going to get $1,000 back in bonus bets, especially as long as Dave Roberts is their manager. So just head on over to FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to join today, and you won't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to sign up, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Now, I was peeking into the future. I was looking, uh, well, staying in the present. I, I was looking at ASO, AOSU. That's another o, OSU. I'm going to start getting on my Buckeye fans' nerves with that. Don't forget, OSU could be Oregon State. It could be Oklahoma State. It could be Ohio State. You get my point? Anyways, I was looking at the Buckeyes' 2023 schedule. And I noticed something that USC fans might want to get used to. This could be happening in the future once USC joins the, the big conference. What are your thoughts on opening the season with a conference game? The Buckeyes open this season in Bloomington, Indiana against the Indiana Hoosiers. Now, <coughs> USC fans, um, you're... you're you're comfortable, you're familiar with USC and Stanford kind of butting heads against each other when conference play starts. But that's typically, you know, the third game of the year. So what's life going to be like when fall camp ends and USC has to go out to East Lansing, first game of the year to play Michigan State in September? Now, obviously, the weather is going to be much better in September than it would be in, say, November. So that's a great way to kind of 
get those cold weather environments out of the way early. And I'm not so much concerned that um, USC is going to be playing in the weather in October, November. That's not what I'm bringing this up. I'm more concerned that USC will start copying what Ohio State and Michigan uh, have been found themselves doing with their out-of-conference schedules. I'm not a fan of crappy out-of-conference schedules. Anybody who's watched the show, who's read my writings, you know that. I want the best of the best weekend, weekend, week in and week out. And I'm okay with a mid-level, but do not give me an FBS um, or, you know, the formerly Division one AA type of schedule stuff, teams. I don't want to see the Citadel or Mercer showing up on USC schedule. Nor do I want to see USC scheduling like this, where let's say they play, let's say they were Ohio State and they play Indiana on the road, but then they get two bye weeks at home against Youngstown State and Western Kentucky before heading off to playing at Notre Dame. That's Ohio State's first four games in 2023. So again, tough game out of the shoot, a conference game, two bye weeks essentially, because neither one of those teams will be competition. And then you head on the road again for Notre Dame. So I understand, you know, your your first two real games are on the road. But again, I'm not a fan of the cupcake scheduling. So look, unless someone infiltrates USC and 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 looks and starts looking at the out-of-conference scheduling. I think it's going to stay the way it is, but I am going to keep an eye on this. Uh, the longer USC is in the in in the Big Conference, the Big Ten Conference. But let's assume USC does start um, practicing the Big Ten scheduling style. So how about this? How about USC opens the season in Ann Arbor? Then USC hosts two out-of-conference games at home. And then their fourth game of the year is a road game to Columbus, Ohio. How's that for your first four games? Too challenging? Okay. What about a game against the Stanford of the big conference, Northwestern instead? Substitute Michigan or Ohio State for Northwestern if USC has to open up their first two games their first two conference games on the road. I, you know, I, I kind of like that schedule, to be honest with you. Look, things are going to be different in a couple of years. We just have to accept that. But let's also remember that change is neither good or bad. It, it's kind of how you adapt to the change, what you do with it. Let's, uh, let's, let's continue to look into the future in a second right now. On Monday, Lincoln Riley bolstered his defensive staff. Yeah. Lincoln Riley, he's fo- he knows what he needs to get done to get USC into the playoffs in 2023. I'll say it again. If USC's defensive roster had the depth that they're going to have this year, they'd make the playoffs in 2022. I feel that. I feel that strongly about it. So what did Lincoln Riley do to help USC take that next step in 2023? Well, he added another quality control assistant analyst to the defensive side of the ball. 
Former South Carolina standout linebacker Bryson Allen Williams is the latest to join the coaching staff. And again, he's going to be a, a quality control coach on the defense side of the ball. The former linebacker who played for South Carolina uh, has recently been working as a defensive grad assistant at North Carolina under Mac Brown. Before that, he was a grad assistant at Georgia State. So I wonder if he's maybe uh, Jamil Muhammad. He and they know each other. I, I don't think he was. I don't think he was there when Jamil was there, though. Now, um, one of the things that Alan Alan Williams did was thank his head coach Mac Brown and the assistant head coach Gene Chizik, who was the defense coordinator. And this is what he said. I really like this quote. I want to thank Coach Brown and Coach Chizik for taking a chance on me and giving me the ability to learn from two legends. The relationships I have been able to develop and personal growth as a man and coach over the past year have been a blessing. I appreciate Coach Riley and Coach Grinch for this opportunity. Lincoln Riley and defense coordinator Alex Grinch, it's time to work. End quote. So, what does he bring to the table? Well, besides, you know, playing in the SEC, coaching in the ACC, he's got that vibe, that mentality. He's going to bring that to the defensive side of the ball. That's not a bad thing. Uh, a little bit different than maybe what some of the players from the West Coast might be familiar with. Different attitude. Uh, he's also from Georgia. Well, we know that USC is recruiting that Peach State pretty hard right now. They're, they're trying to pluck all the best they can out of that state. So he brings some extra value to the fold. Um, in, 20, in the 2024 class, just a reminder, here are some of the Georgia uh, prospects that USC has already received a commitment from or they are trying really, really, really hard to get their commitment from. You've got Cameron Fountain, the rush end. You've got the tight end, Walter Matthews, who just committed. Uh, I mentioned the name Mike Matthews earlier in the show. Don't forget the name Idrick Houston. If USC gets one or both, and uh, Mr. Bryce has Coach Bryce uh, Allen Williams has a chance to um, make this happen, play a role. <laughs> yeah, great return on investment, right off the bat. <laughs> so whatever happens at the end of the season, let's just, let's give Coach Riley. Uh, the benefit that he did, he did everything possible during the off season, I think, um, to, to, to focus his attention on the defense, both recruiting and then adding coaching resources. There's an, there was an emphasis during the off season to fix the defense. We, we talked about how the staff came together and had to, you know, face some realities. There's going to be some adjustments made. There's more input from the staff themselves. And uh, from what we're hearing, some tweaks to the scheme. So we're going to find out. So that's some of the stuff in the future that we get to look forward to. But before we end this segment, here's the current state of USC football. That's going to lead us into the future. We talked about the uh, performance performance 
facility that for the USC football team that was just announced? Well, initial cost, $400 million. And we haven't even seen everything yet. All we've seen is a artist rendering. I'm not even sure what's going on in the inside. We, we heard about some of the bells and whistles. Let's find out when the ground is breaking. Uh, we know that USC just finished their biggest recruiting weekend. And as Dave Emmerich put it, there's going to be some absolute dudes joining you, the USC Trojan family. And we're less than 10 weeks away from USC kicking off the 2023 season. So the future is right around the corner. I got a question. Uh, because everyone loves recruiting. Part of recruiting is being able to check out the players in shirts and shorts, taking the pads off, playing grassroots football, seven on seven. A lot of pros, a lot of cons. I'm going to talk about it for a few minutes here at uh, the end of the show. One of the more controversial subjects in the seven-on-seven realm is how the rosters are put together. Um, if you were if you were going to have a seven-on-seven team, you're in California. How would you put your roster together? Would you go strictly with players from California, or would you go the free agency route and I don't know, maybe pay for play, hire a team of ringers? In other words, which, which type of team is better? <clears throat> um, are you looking for a group of young men that play together every single tournament? Or, or again, are you looking for a bunch of ringers that are, that are brought in, paid to fly all over the country, pay, you know, paid to play, to win a tournament? To give... Um, <clears throat> these seven-on-seven, seven, I'm going to call them a collective now, because that's kind of what they're turning into. They're, they're, they're groups with the, the goal to help kids, help these young men get college scholarships. But there's, you know, they're making money doing it. Both are fine. Both ways of putting your roster together are fine. It's... It's the nature of the big, uh, the nature of the beast. That's what seven-on-seven seven football, AAU basketball, grassroots basketball. That's what the industry has become. Now, if you're looking, if you voted, you raised your hand, and said, "You know what? I want the best team out there possible. I have resources that can bring in a player in Florida, from Georgia, from California, all over the country, to play together." Um. The, the pro to that is when those guys get together and they're practicing, that's a lot of competition. You know, the iron sharpens iron philosophy. But, you know, when you put together a team of local high school kids that play together, and they might play against each other on opposite high school teams, um, I, I think there's more chemistry learning how to win together when you have the local products. Um, a little bit more pride when you're when you're playing for the for your neighborhood, I guess. So, what what are your feelings on playing, um, putting together a roster 
for seven on seven. Do you like seven on seven? I guess is a maybe the first question to ask. There's another part of the seven on seven um, travel circuit that I want to talk about. Interesting. You know, college athletes they don't play twelve games in a weekend. High school teams don't either. Professionals certainly don't. So why do we allow our youth to play that many games in a weekend? You know, I, I'm talking about, you know, off-season soccer, volleyball, basketball, football seven-on-seven. You know, yeah, these games, they're not full-length games. They're, the, the games are shorter in time, but they're still, you know, they're being played at a high level. A lot of energy is being exerted. Um, and in the more times you step on the field, you're giving more opportunity for injury to happen. So again, I'm, I, I'm not saying let's not do these things during the off season. What I'm saying is how much, and then when you start compounding these tournaments, one week in California, another week in Georgia, one next week in Texas, Arizona, Florida, all over the country, these things start to really add up. And then you got to start asking yourself, are we creating burnout? Are these, is this why some young men peak in high school and fizzle out when they get to college? Do they lose the love for the game? I don't know, just some things to think about. Something else for you to think about? Making sure you check out Locked on USC, the next episode, which comes at you tomorrow. And also, I forgot to mention earlier, don't forget to check out the uh, Locked on NBA draft special. That's on YouTube. Six-part series. You want to check that out. All right, everyone. That's the end of this episode. I'll be back again. Another one tomorrow. Because that's what we do here on Locked on USC. Five days a week. And I want to thank all of you everydayers for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Tell a friend. Let's make everybody an everydayer. So until that next episode, everyone, you know what to do.